Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We're glad you joined us today. We're located in Collinsville, Virginia. At Smith Memorial, our motto is simple, follow Jesus. We'd like to encourage you to check us out online, www.smithmemorialumc.com. There you can find out more information about us, opportunities to serve, and ways to support this ministry through giving. We pray that God would add blessing this day to the hearing and the doing of God's Word. of God, let us go and ask for illumination of the words these day, this day. O oh Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love and strength to follow on the path you set before us. Through Jesus Christ, amen. Today we're finishing our Galatians sermon series. And for those that have a Bible and want to follow along, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, picking up in verse 13. The words will also be on your screen. Paul says this to the churches of Galatia. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, Take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not satisfy the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. 
And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. My friends, if anyone is detected in transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work, then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us now grow, not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all and especially for those of the family of faith. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Let us especially this day, O God, a day in which we welcome and renew our commitment to those who are coming to commit themselves to us. May we never cease to work for the good of the family of faith. O oh God, I ask that you would place the cross before me, that none would see me but you and your grace alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't know how many of you saw it, but in 2015, the Kendrick brothers produced their fifth Christian-based movie called War Room. Now, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'll give you just a little bit of the plot. Tony and Elizabeth Jordan, the two main characters, they have a big house, they have a beautiful daughter, they have plenty of money. To the outward, they look like they have accumulated all of their success. But despite their apparent success, their marriage is strained. Tony, a pharmaceutical salesman, is almost never there for his daughter, Danielle. He has been verbally abusive to his wife, Elizabeth, and he has thoughts of infidelity for his wife with the other woman he has seen. Elizabeth, a realtor, 
goes to work with the elderly Miss Clara to sell her house. Miss Clara, she senses the stress that Elizabeth is under, and she suggests that Elizabeth fights for her marriage by praying for her husband, Tony. Miss Clara shows Elizabeth a special closet she has dedicated for praying, and she calls it her war room. Because as she puts it, in order to stand up and fight the enemy, you need to get on your knees and pray. You see, the movie makes a tremendous case for prayer and its call to a renewed sense of spiritual discipline is one that I think we should all heed. But I share this story with you to say this. For Paul... In order to stand up and fight the enemy, your little closet or your little war room is not enough. For Paul, as he turns in his closing arguments to the Galatians, he wants them to know that they are certainly no William Wallace. They are no Jedi masters. And they are certainly no superheroes. To be certain, the people of Galatians, as far as Paul is concerned, they are deeply entrenched in a war, but it is a war that cannot be won by themselves. For this war, in which they and we are caught in, is such that left to our own devices, as Paul says, you're not able to do what you want to do. Or as he echoes in Romans 7.15, I do not understand what I do, for what I do I do not want to do, but what I hate to do. Trying to tackle this war alone, we are left flailing around trying to grasp for assistance while the forces of the flesh close in around us. For as Paul says, the age in which the Galatians and we who wait for the final consummation of all things still live in is still guided by a present evil. According to Paul, the flesh, the flesh is a prepositional noun. It's a name. It's not a matter of one's vices and virtues being slightly off kilter as he addresses the two lists, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. No, for Paul, the flesh might as well be with a capital F. It's not to be confused with our skin and our bones. To be certain, the flesh is real, but it is a real, viable, and assertive actor in the world. And that note is very important. And the reason for that is this. The flesh is not something that Paul seems to think needs to be tamed with good moral behavior. Because if that's what Paul was trying to say, then the opposite of the flesh would be the law. No. The flesh doesn't need to be addressed with good moral behavior. The flesh needs to be destroyed by the Spirit. 
So the opposite of the flesh for Paul is not law, it's spirit. In short, Paul demands the Galatians and us to see that through the person and work of Christ, a war has been waged and our lives are ground zero. Both the flesh and the spirit for Paul are entities that have existence in and of themselves. And through the coming of Christ, these two existences have waged now an apocalyptic war. And on ground zero, that is to say the place of our lives and the place of our lives of our neighbors around us, both of these powers are now active and vying for control to act not only in us, but to do something to us. So yes, your war room is certainly a place you need to be in. But it is not enough. For this war that wages, not just outside of your door, but this war rages in the very heart of the person who kneels on the floor. In 1998, ABC released the reality competition series. You may remember it called The Mole. The Mole was a a competition series that followed 12 strangers. One of them was the mole, a saboteur trying to keep the others from winning the money. Each week, the contestants would try to figure out which one of us is the mole, trying to destroy everything, and every week, one person would be eliminated from the game. For Paul, the prize isn't money. The reward for Paul, is a new era in which God has initiated through Christ. The mole is not one of the contestants on the show. The mole is a force that is vying against all of the contestants for the sake of maintaining the status quo of the present evil age. For Paul, the contestants cannot defeat the mole by themselves. The antidote to defeating the flesh for Paul is not more effort. The antidote is more spirit. And what the spirit has used from this cosmic battle, the church. You see, the message moves from this cosmic battle that's occurring between the spirit and the flesh, a battle which is about new creation or a battle to maintain the present evil age. Paul says, just as this battle is waging and going on around us, the effects of this battle are happening to us. They're happening in our lives, they're happening in our families, they're happening in our churches. More particularly, Paul is writing to the Galatians, people who he has already said repeatedly have already received the message of the gospel from him once before. He isn't writing to the churches of Galatia saying Joe or Sally really need to get their act together. He's writing to the whole community of faith and saying, you all are letting the works of the flesh creep into your community, which will not only endanger your life, but it will destroy the community that witnesses to the kingdom of God on earth. You all know the works of the flesh. 
Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, Paul says. You don't need a list to know the works of the flesh. It plays out in your daily life sometimes. But here's Paul's real problem. When you let those things creep into your community, they will do nothing but destroy everything that's already been done. So he makes it a very important point as he finishes his letter to the Galatians to be able to say this. Yet, even though these are the works of the flesh, God has sent into your hearts the Spirit. The Spirit, the antidote to such destruction to produce its fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that build and support the community of faith to which you claim to be a part of. Notice, if you will, Paul uses the plural when he speaks about the works of the flesh, but the singular as he addresses the fruit of the Spirit. Suggesting that the fruit of the Spirit is not something as in the law you must do. As in I must become or I must work to become more loving or I must work to become more patient or I must work to become more generous. For if that's the case, we will pass the offering plates around twice today to give you extra practice. No, Paul is remaining consistent in his argument that the one who has the one thing needful for you from you is your faith. It's your trust. And knowing that already everything that needed to be done has been done. And just as you have faith that like that, we can have faith in the assurance that these fruits are given to us. And as much as we have the conviction that the Spirit lives within us. These are not things that you have to come and master. These are things that are byproducts of the Spirit in your life. They are the fruit that should be evident on your tree. Nothing come more is required of those who have faith in Christ. We don't need you to work to become more loving or just or kind. Nothing else is required of you. Why? Because everything is already done. There is nothing you have to do. But don't close your ears just yet because I'm not done. Because just as there's nothing you have to do, now that you have faith in Christ, there is so much that you are now summoned to do. What's been given to you for free may, in this world we live in, cost you everything. Not for the sake of God, but for the sake of your neighbor. The one who sits next to you in the pew, look at them. That person might cost you everything. The person that sits next to you as a coworker in your office, look at them when you see them on Tuesday. They may cost you everything. The acquaintance in the booth next to you at El Ranchito or wherever you go for lunch, 
That person may cost you everything. The little ones who enter into this font, whether they know it or not, are placing the greatest amount of hope that you will follow through with your summons on their behalf. They may cost you everything. In an age of cheap evangelism, it's easy to count decisions for Christ on a statistical sheet. It's much harder to count the people who are willing to be crucified with him for the sake of the kingdom. For those who have faith in Christ have been fully inspired by the Spirit, equipped with its fruit, and are now summoned and responsible for manifesting in the world the fruit that has been wrought in their soul. You're responsible for that. Our closets alone are not big enough for such a war in which we live in. But the church of Christ is. This is a place in which we share our sins in confession and grant a word of pardon through our forgiveness. The church is the place in which we share in the burdens of our fellow family members and as we long for the day in which the flesh meets its final defeat. It's the space where in love we hold one another accountable to the call we have all received and as an accountability group we act as quality control for the fruit of the trees. Today, as we go through the liturgy of baptism and reception of new members, we're not simply sharing some whip on a page. We are witnessing to each other the reality that in partnership with your war room practices, this church will stand as a visible sign against the evil forces of this world alongside of you. And together, we will equip each other towards a life in which we have all been summoned to live. Today we have two people who will be baptized, and we'll have five people, five, who will join this church. Church, you who are members of this space, today you will make a commitment once again with these words. Words I believe Paul would commend to the church in Galatia. With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and we will live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their faith of God and be found to be faithful in their service to others. We will pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in a way that leads to life. That's what you're going to say today. It's not just words on a page. It's a commitment you're making. Don't take it lightly. And for those who are being received into this community, at some point, perhaps more than once, we're going to let you down. We will fail you. But I want to ask you to do something today. I want to ask you to do us all a favor. Hold us accountable. Hold us accountable to this new world order 
And we promise, even in the midst of our failings, we will do the same for you. Never stop working of the family of faith, Paul says. I offer this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hear us, O God, as we respond to your word this day. May these not be things that we are rotely doing, but may it be our spirit joining with your spirit, giving thanks for that which we have received. Amen. Amen.